Well, thank you, Justin. I have loved our service today. Uh, man, our musicians, led by Chad Strader, has really pulled us together. I love that song by Justin. And if you'll stay tuned after my sermon today, I know you guys like to click and go on, but there's a special song at the end of my talk today. You're going to love that as well. We have this special service because we wanted to increase your faith with all that's going on in our world. I wanted to speak to this. I want to encourage you with George Floyd's funeral in Houston this very week. It's very emotional for everybody. So what does God have to say to us. The question I've been asking and you've been asking is what can we do? But maybe there's a better question, a different question even that says, what is God doing? What is God up to? What does God want from me, you know, in the light of our world, in light of my life? So as a people of faith, we have to believe that God has a plan and that we're part of that plan. So we need to figure out what God's doing and join him in that. So if you're like me, you may be overwhelmed or discouraged because the vastness of the problem that we face in our culture, I'm kind of a future tripper that way. But really what change, uh, the way change works is it happens one person at a time. We want to make sure that this never happens again. And one of the signs that uh, everybody's ready for change has been the protest, right? People of every color coming together to say very publicly that what has happened is evil, it's sin, it's wrong, and we don't ever want it to happen again to George Floyd or anybody else. And so we're not going to tolerate this in our culture. That's a great sign that change is really about to happen. It was moving to see scenes where the police and the protesters were coming together to pray together, to hug, to even march together. And it gives us hope that everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people, most of us in our culture are on the same page, that what we saw with George Floyd is absolutely an abomination to God, and it absolutely cannot be tolerated in our culture. So we take this micro view and it becomes overwhelming. It's a big picture, but really, Really what we should do is take a micro view. What's the individual view? What's my, what's my response? So I think it's helpful to, to, to look at a micro view of this, an individual view, so that we can figure out what God's doing in our life, right? So here's the deal. What's music to my ears? We've been in this series, and I was thinking about what's music to my ears if I were in the black community. Now, last week I talked to you about music to my ears that we all like to hear, regardless of your color of your skin, is the words, I love you. The words, I love you, are a powerful thing in our life. We not only need to hear those, but we need to feel that. I think love is the most powerful change agent there is. It's the most powerful change agent in your life. The thing that's changed you most is probably because of the way somebody has loved you. The way your home will be changed is not because of your discipline or your rigid um, boundaries, but will be because of your love that's exhibited in your home. And the, the thing that's going to change our world is really the way we love each other not the way we demand from one another. So Jesus commands us to love one another as he's loved us. So what would be music to my ears if, if I really were a person that suffered the ills of racism or, or I fear that I will suffer that? That's not me, but what would be music to my ears? I, I've tried to think of some things. Maybe I'm sorry, but that comes up way short to say I'm sorry. That's, I don't think that's really music to the ears of the black community. I think things like I see you or I'm listening to you or I'm with you. Those are helpful. And I kind of was thinking about this in light of today's talk. And I think if I was in the black community, uh, the thing I would need to hear from others would be this. This would be music to my ears. I believe you. I believe you. One of the reasons why I think this is important is because whatever it is that we believe, it drives our behavior. Beliefs and actions are always linked. 
So the problem that we see are actions, but the problem that's feeding those actions is our belief system. Maybe one of the reasons change has been so slow is because we just believe the wrong things. Now, our belief says, hey, uh, this is what I think is true. So when I say to the black community, or my, my, more specifically to my friends who are black, I believe you. What I'm saying is I'm listening. I, what I'm saying is I get it. I, it says that I'm not just going to rely on my own life experiences to determine what's true, especially I'm not going to be able to determine what's true for you. We tend to have truth confined to our own personal individual experiences. Our life experiences, though, are too small. And our world perspective is too narrow when we rely on our own experiences in life. It keeps us from seeing truth. This is why raising teenagers is so difficult. And if you've done this, you know what I'm talking about. You tried to give your teenagers some truth about what you believe and about what you know is true. But a teenager's viewpoint in life is so narrow. And you try to tell them about where to go and where not to go and who to be with and who not to be with and what to do and what not to do and all these things. But teenagers tend to try to find out for themselves what's true and what is not true. Now, we all have this tendency, regardless of the color of your skin, to rely on our own life experience and to determine what's true. And we tend to think what's true for me is true for everybody. But what that does is it keeps us from having real empathy for one another because we can hear the facts and we can understand what's being said, but we don't feel. We don't feel what's happening because it's not happening to us. So we lack empathy for one another. This is everyone's problem, right? So you can empathize with the, real, with the reality that black families have different types of conversations in their homes than white families do. And I suspect Hispanic families have unique families and a, uh, unique family talks and Asian families have unique family talks. But the black family talks much different than the talk I had, right? Because the black family talks to their, uh, especially their men when they get their driver's license about if you ever get pulled over by the police, what you are to do and not to do to stay safe. I never got that talk. No, nobody ever told me to keep my hands in plain sight. I was told to be courteous, right? So it's a completely different view. And so when somebody first told me about what they experience when somebody pulls them over different than mine, I have a hard time believing that because that's not my life experience. And the truth is this, the way I was treated isn't the way everyone is treated. This is where our faith in Jesus can help us. This is where our faith in God changes us. Empathy is the beginning of a relationship, a meaningful relationship because you're able to truly put yourself in the other person's shoes and you're able to feel something. This is part of our faith. This is what God is allowing us to do because we know God. In fact, Paul said it in Romans chapter 12, look at verse 15. It says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who, are, who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Boy, that is convicting for me. I am a know-it-all. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. And do all that you can to live in peace with who? With who? With everyone. 
That's right. So Paul's telling us to be happy with those who are happy and weep with those, to feel something. The relationship you have with God is to allow us to experience people differently, to understand that my experience is not your experience and your experience is not my experience, that we are able to know one another and experience each other in a way that allows us to empathize, not just knowing what is hurting other people, but to feel it, to be connected to it. So when I say, I believe you, even though I've never experienced what you've experienced, I can believe you because I know you, because we're friends, because I hear you, because I've talked to you, because I see you, and I respect you, and I love you. And I believe you, and I, and I, and I believe you because I believe, I, I, I understand that truth's bigger than my truth. And so I believe you. And because I believe you, I'm going to act differently. I'm going to do things differently. I'm not going to act on just my own life experience. The responsibility is squarely on every Christ follower to do all that we can to live in peace with everyone, not just people who look like us, not just people who value what we value, but for everyone. This gives us the ability to see people as they are, created in the image of God. This empathy lets us have authentic relationships. We'll be able to see and feel the pain in the eyes of black men who get that, what what has been called to me, gets that fearful gaze. A friend of mine, a black friend of mine, uh, was telling me about sometimes, oftentimes, they will go, he'll go into a store, and even though the clerk is asking him, is there anything I can do to help you, he knows and feels that really what the clerk is saying is, I'm going to keep my eye on you. I've never had that experience. That's never happened to me. And when we're, we're able to empathize, you're able to see police officers not as institutional robots, but as people, as men and women, members of our community, husbands and wives and fathers and mothers, daughters, sons. These, these aren't just police officers that we can stereotype and marginalize. Empathy takes away that ability. We, we can't just categorize people and then devalue them and then shove them off to the side. Not if we're a follower of Jesus. Paul says if we're a follower of Christ, we have to be different. There's a better way to live. In fact, Romans 12 says it this way. It's a famous passage. You should memorize this passage of scripture. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Meaning, as you live your life, you are to surrender and sacrifice your will to his. That living sacrifice is holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is how you acknowledge God is great in your life. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. You hearing this? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, our relationship with the Father allows us a different perspective. I can tell you this, God's heart is broken about what we've seen in these past 50 plus years of this uh, culture where people are treated as um, in a way that 
marginalizes them and puts them their lives at danger. What happened to George Floyd? The murder of George Floyd is a result of people's poor thinking. And, and our culture has had enough of that. We're saying we've got to change the way we look at each other and the way we think of each other, think about each other. So the real change in our world begins with you and it begins with me. It begins with something very difficult to do. Change is hard. Here's why it's hard. It's because you have to have a shift in your thinking. This new way of thinking comes from a surrendered life to Jesus Christ. That's our hope. Listen, it's not God's will that what we're seeing in our culture to happen. That's not God's will. God's perfect and pleasing will is that we begin to see people the way he sees them. And it causes us to have a real humility. Here's what he goes on to say in verse three. He says, for the... For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. See, we get into trouble when we, when we begin to gain our value or believe our value comes from uh, some physical attribute like the color of our skin. This is the core of racism, right? That something is about me makes me more valuable than you. Now, that's not how God looks at it. God looks at us all the same and we're equally loved. But the core of racism is that we take a certain skin color and we say it's more valuable or more important than another. This comparison, the world feeds um, uh, us this lie about what is important and what's not important, and it's evil and it's sin, and it's the root of all the things that we're experiencing today. See, believing because of some physical attribute or because of your wealth or because of the opportunity or because of where you live, that you're better than other people is like living a drunken life of, 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 of really this, this life where you just don't see the world accurately. It's dangerous. See, a surrendered life requires humility and allows us to see each other as equals. See, when you become a follower of Christ, you are a new creation and old ways pass away and new things have to come. So the biggest change that can happen in our world is with each of us and our thinking. So we can look at each other and say, I believe you because I know you. We have this experience together. We aren't going to change the world or even our own world on, on our own. God's got to be leading the change and we're joining him in this change. This is a spiritual war as well as a cultural war. We can't do this on our own. God has to lead, away, lead the way. And when he leads the way, our surrendered life allows us to join in with him so that we can really make a difference beginning with us. God created diversity. But it's our sinfulness, our brokenness that takes the things of God that are beautiful and gifts to us like diversity. And we tend to abuse it for our own good. I, I love what uh, John, the Apostle John writes in the book of Revelation. Listen to this picture of heaven. He says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. It's such a big crowd that nobody could count them from every nation from every tribe, all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, 
Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What a picture. People of every tribe and every nation and every color coming before one holy, perfect God, recognizing our need for salvation and our need for mercy and grace and crying out to God in one voice, in unison, that God is great. Regardless of the color of our skin or the language that we speak, we're all in need. People of every tribe and nation. Boy, it sounds like River Point and West End Church to me. Our church is what heaven's going to look like. So I know it's possible in our country to integrate and to live a life of harmony together, being friends, not just getting along, because our church is doing that. Churches have changed so rapidly over the last 30 to 50 years. Martin Luther King said once that the most segregated hour in America is Sunday morning for church. But a church like ours, diverse and integrated, doing life together is very rare and very different. And we're going to lead the way. This is why you can be encouraged. Because we have friends that don't look like us. We need each other. And I feel so blessed to be part of a fellowship that respects and honors everyone. I've grown as a man of faith because of other perspectives and that I get to know because not everyone is like me. And I don't have to rely just on my life experiences, but because I have trusted friendships with people that are much different than me and come from different backgrounds and live a life that's different, I can know a bigger truth. And I look at them and I can say, I believe you. And because I believe you, I'm going to act differently. Things change when our thinking changes. Because our amazing church and our friendships and our authentic connections have taken shape and we are not just limited to our own experiences anymore. This is where things really begin to change. So even if you're a person like me who hasn't suffered from racism, I've been white for a very long time and I've enjoyed the benefits of, of my life, not knowing any better, not knowing what I'm supposed to be doing. But now I hear these stories. I've heard them for the last really 30 years. And I hear stories from my friends and I can say to you, I believe you. And that belief changes me. It changes what I do. And even, I don't have to experience the pain you've experienced to do something about it. So places like River Point and West End may be the best possible place for real change to affect our world. Maybe we can lead the way. Maybe we can be the difference maker because we're figuring out how, even though we're much different, we can go before God in unison with the same need of salvation and grace and mercy. There was a song that was released in 1971. And I think the Uh, lyrics of this song are so current for us today. Listen to some of these lyrics. Too many of you are crying. There's far too many of you dying. You know, we've got to find a way to bring some love in here today. We don't need to escalate. War's not the answer. Only love could conquer hate. Talk to me. Listen to this line. Talk to me so you can see what's going on. Boy, that's about a relationship. It's a great song we're going to do for you. Let me pray first, and I hope this song encourages your life. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you that we're not stuck in our own life experiences, confined to a truth that we live out. But because of our friendships and our experiences and our knowledge one for another, our love for each other, we can know 
and empathize. We can weep with those who weep. We can rejoice with those who rejoice. I'm so grateful that we live in a diverse culture that's integrated and a church that values everyone. And I pray it begins to make a difference in all of our thinking and in our community. And I don't even know how to pray for our nation, God, but things have got to change. We're devastated by the horrors that we've seen unfold on TV. And we just don't want to tolerate this anymore. So change begins with my thinking. So talk to me. I love that line, God. Let's get to know each other. So we can see what's really going on in one another's life. We thank you, God, for our church. We pray that you would encourage our faith, that we'd be more like Jesus and love the way he did. In Jesus' name, amen. Bring 